The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Episode number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for coming to practice, Holly. <laughs> Always Two, rely on you. 227. Wow. You're close. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not very often, and we've only done it a couple times where we get to have uh, couples uh, therapy. Not for you <laughs> and I, but usually for the people that we have a chance to talk to. <laughs> And uh, we've only done it a few times. Sometimes we, we separate them and do separate podcasts. But uh, yeah. for this week, uh, Melissa and Prosper, how are you guys? Hey, we're good. We're good. You know, always busy, keeping busy. That's right. <laughs> always, yes, always. Yes. <laughs> well, we like to ask this uh, skill testing question and we'll, we'll split it up a little bit. We'll start with you, Prosper. Who are you and where did you come from? Where did I come from? I'm Prosper. Prosper Laguerre. Um, I'm just a young boy that is motivated to change the world and the next generation. Um, I just love motivating people. I, I'm with high power energy. I love God. I love Jesus. I'm a man of faith and I'm standing grounds in this life, in this game called life. So, yeah. I am Melissa, the wife of Prosper, the motivator, crowd motivator, the guy who's loud on the mic and I back him up. Um, (laughs) I am a passionate woman of God who loves business. I love uh, working with people. I love leadership. Uh, Yeah. And definitely a lover of music as well. Mm -hmm. Now you guys are in uh, Ottawa area. Yes. Was that where you were born and raised? Yes. yes. Melissa, yes. Okay. I was born and raised in Ottawa, but Prosper. I'm born in Montreal. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So just across the uh, provincial border. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, what was life growing up? Let's start with you, Prosper, in Quebec. It was, you know, ups ups and downs, obviously. Always got, you know, different challenges and here and there, but overall, great. Uh, Grew up in church in a seven day Adventist church in Montreal. Um, You know, we became like a church family. until this day, I still connect with some, a, a lot of them actually. Mm-hmm. And, um, and growing up in Quebec was, you know, a little kid, um, loving the game of hockey back then. Uh, well, still now the Montreal Canadian culture is like crazy. So I got caught up in all of that and, and I was playing hockey, peewee hockey over there and, uh, being a young black man on ice. Back then, let me tell you, hmm. it was a rare thing. So I encountered a lot of different experiences, trust me, at a very young age. You know, a lot of different fights <laughs> for the yeah. same old reason. But uh, hey, it got me to, to, to learn quickly about this society and the world and everything. And uh, yeah, and then after that, uh, junior high school, I moved to Ottawa. Okay. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I am kind of curious about your your days in hockey because we're hearing a lot more stories right now about um, racism in the NHL and in the hockey culture as a whole from like mm-hmm. the time these little ones are, you know, lacing up their skates. They're experiencing uh, an obvious uh, disparity between, you know, the various different colors. And we are in a very yeah. multicultural nation. So for yeah. you kind of being at the early days of this before it became a conversation, was it something mm-hmm. that tainted your view of hockey or was it something that you thought you could rise, rise and overcome? 
No, absolutely. It was something I tainted my view of, of hockey. I mean, for me, I was a very, I grew up very, like I was an athletic guy. So mm-hmm. sports was nothing to me. Right. And to tell you the truth, hockey was my natural gift. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a very good hockey player and being black and skating and stuff, especially back then, forget about it. I was the only one in the competitive hockey um, on trips. I was playing peewee hockey for Laval, Montreal. And um, literally I was experiencing uh, coaches telling um, their players in their ears to call me that name to aggravate me because mm. that was that was the trick in order to get me off my game, right? And the thing is, as a young kid, and I still remember, I was like 13, 14 years old, and I still remember that it, that was exactly what was happening, and I didn't care. I was just like, I was just waiting for that guy and, and going for it, you know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, and it, it and seriously, the love for the game, I got out of it really quickly, especially when I moved to Ottawa. Uh, when I moved to Ottawa, you know, my mom was asking me if I still wanted to play hockey and I, I, I lost the, the love for it. And, and then, and then gracefully, just to give a quick story about that is that my experience in the, on the hockey rink was like white people just did not like me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I get to a new neighborhood at 14 years old in Ottawa. I had never heard of Ottawa back then. So now now, trust me, I'm not seeing anybody in my color in my neighborhood, right? I'm walking down the street. There's a big park down the street, and there's a group of white guys that are walking towards me. There are about five of them walking towards me, and I'm like, uh-oh, it's about to go down today. And let me tell you, they came in, and they were like, who are you? Are you new here? Da, 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 da. And let me tell you, those guys embraced me like never before. I saw a whole different side of the culture and they took me to their house down the street and it was a football coach down the street. And they were saying, yo, listen, we have a new guy in the neighborhood that we should have him on the team. And then let me say, hey. and then I started playing football all the way to college with them. And till this day, we got like what over 20, 25 plus years of relationship. And they're still my brothers till this day. Melissa, for you, what was life growing up in Ottawa? So for me, born and raised in Ottawa, uh, strict church background, <laughs> um, very sheltered. I'm the youngest of four, and uh, my whole family is very musical. So growing up, there was a lot of like music and going to church all the time for concerts and so forth. Um, I think I was really shy. I was really shy because I was very much a loner by myself a lot. Um, I wouldn't say that I was as athletic as Prosper was. Um, I, I, I mean, I played in the jazz band. He said to me, if I had met you in high school, I would have never checked you out. I'm like, <laughs> I was in the jazz band and he was the cool guy wearing like, you know, the name brand shoes and I wasn't, right? Um, but, you know, it really shaped me to who I am now. But uh, yeah, just big church community is what I remember. Big family youngest and a lot of time to myself. (laughs) So before we get into relationships and music and business, at what point did you guys connect? Because obviously it wasn't when you were in jazz band. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, okay, let me give you my version of the story because he has his. But my version is, so now I'm a, a musician. I'm a drummer. Um, probably back then, I was one of the few female drummers that was known. And um, being in the church community, I met a friend that was his friend. I went to a convention that was at his church. He was seven day. I was Sunday. Back then, that was a big thing, Sunday versus seven day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, met this guy who had a heavy accent, was trying to act like he came from New York. He was like, how you doing? <laughs> I'm like, how you doing? Yeah, my name's Prosper. I'm like, I'm like, do you live in New York? He's like, no, nah, I go there every summer. I was like, whoa, this guy's trying really hard right now. But he was cute. And then the I story got something goes on to say about that. that. <laughs> Here we go. Take, you, take no, your version. Ahead. No, go ahead. Continue. Oh, continue. That's it. I said you were cute, and then it went on from there. So, you know, what's your version? <laughs> Absolutely. So one of my friends, right, <laughs> introduced me to to uh, Melissa. Like, we were going to a get-together or something? We met at your church downtown. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so now I'm a musician, right? I'm a musician, and I'm on tour, and all of that good stuff in a rap group and everything. And every time I would come back home to Ottawa, I would tap into my home church. So I come back home and I see this light-skinned girl with glasses, long dress, skirt going on. (laughs) That churchy, innocent look, you know? (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so with that whole New York thing, well, my dad it was from New York, right? So I would I would literally spend all my time over there, and yes, I would catch on to that accent, you know, to talk to girls. <laughs> 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 so yeah, we just we just started hanging out and everything, and we had a lot in common. Especially, it was about the music. It was the music mm. a lot had to do with the music and yeah yeah we we had a lot in common like like uh prosper and as much as it sounds like we came from two different worlds we talked for like at least seven months of just hanging out um going to restaurants going to east side marios back in back in the days that was our spot (laughs) Mm-hmm. And we amazing. would just right. talk all the time and constantly like, oh, you like that too? Oh, you like this? And it, although it might have seemed like we came from two different worlds, we had so much um, fun together. And before we even said an official dating aspect of of we're uh, dating or before he even, even said he liked me, I think, it, seven months went by. And um, mind you, a little twist of the story is that when I say that we were from two different worlds is because back then the church that I grew up in was very stern on, you know, just dating outside of your Sunday versus Saturday and same with his as well was a no, no. And because I was a drummer and I was serving, like they had, everything was a rule. Everything, you can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. It was what it is. And we were like, but we're having fun. Like we have a chemistry. And so we took that risk of, of just going against the odds of what everybody was telling us. And I would say that we we have a very, very strong relationship because the foundation was strong from the get-go. What year was this about? 2000. So mm-hmm. the, you said the musical connection. What was this musical connection? Was it the, the same love of music styles? Was it, uh, you know, was it secular music? Was it gospel music? Where were your guys' hearts at? Ah, okay. Well, I grew up, strictly gospel strictly like I played for the I was playing for different choirs um 
solely just church. Prosper was on the fence on both sides. <laughs> so at the end of the day, um, I think for him, seeing me on the drums was rare and it was mm. cool. And um, he introduced me more to the urban side. I wasn't into hip hop. And, you know, sometimes when he goes back in the days talking about this person back in the days, I'm like, who is that? I don't know, because <laughs> I grew up on um, Hezekiah Walker and all these yeah. large choirs. Um, and he had a little similarity. He knew about that, too, but it was more common to me. But what drew us our attraction was I was learning about his world. I was learning about um, the urban world. At that time, I would say, I mean, this is a long time ago. So we're talking about when Kirk Franklin was when when underground hip hop um, cross movement is just starting to break through. It's not like what it was now. And so what really tied us together was eventually we long story i'm trying to fast forward but eventually prosper reunites is that the right way to say it with the lord <laughs> on a deeper level and we decide to start this group called gifted powerful movement at the time it was god's plan ministry and it was mm. like a mixed fusion of the urban choir slash hip-hop so it was a bit of my world and his world i brought the singers in he brought the urban and the presentation on you know the uh, how to perform plus prosper was a signed artist to a label um in the uk at the time and he had his group that he had left a, a full-time secular group that he, i mean he's been chasing that dream since he was 18 and now we fully went christian so we kind of like landed together you want to take it from there no, <laughs> that's, that's, that was no, pretty good that was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> so you guys got to start a new chapter of your life together musically, but when did your new chapter of your life start romantically? It, it was along the journey, actually. So we pretty much, you know, um, organically started the ministry, we would say, because our connection was able to connect. Well, back then in Ottawa, um, people were pretty much separated if in terms of... Uh, yeah, uh, you know, in, in terms of your religious background, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, us us moving in the faith, we were very unorthodox. I was really, I wasn't that person that was about the no, 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 no's of Christian faith, right? It, um, I was that guy. If you tell me no, 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 I need to find out why the no's. And if it doesn't make sense to me, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't matter which movement I'm about, right? And what happened was it create me, I was always open to have relationships with everyone. So what we did with the GPM is we had members from the Baptist church, the Pentecostal church, the seven day church. Da, da, da. Yeah. And it, it just happened to be like a huge group of about 12 to 13 people meeting up every week to just jam together, to fellowship together, to empower each other's up and not even having a gig per se. Right. <laughs> we just formed that bond together right and along that relationship the, the that relationship mel and i became leaders and and as well you know with us having this dream of growing this ministry and this so on and so on well we connected a little bit more than just being <laughs> friends you know what I'm <laughs> that's how the journey started right <laughs> mm -hmm. how long have you guys been married for now We've been married 15 years in October 2021. Yeah. Nice. That was a trick question you passed. Good job. Good job. Hey. Yeah. So like, <laughs> Mel Melissa asked us to ask you that question. <laughs> so yeah. you have you have these different styles, this different love for music. Uh, did you feel like 
you had to decide as to we want to focus on hip hop or we want to focus on choir or how difficult was it then merging all of these different things together? Because in some ways it really hadn't mm-hmm. been done before. I think it was actually, it was beautiful because um, with my background and being a part of the, the, the music department, right? We, we were playing some really complicated music back then. Um, choir music is not easy to play, especially when you're trying all the syncopation and so forth. And so Prosper brought in one element I brought in another element and then originally then basically I started helping with the vocal arrangements and other people that were, were doing the vocal arrangements. And then we found a way to create a different sound. Now, like I said, there was a lot of influence. Well, there wasn't a lot of influences, but there were some like Ty Tribbett. That was um, Prosper's favorite back then, Ty Tribbett, the movement of that. Um, but it wasn't as accepted. So we were always trying to find a way at the beginning to soften it, to get it accepted to the church. Along mm-hmm. the journey, we started to get more confident and started to realize that our fan base was changing. Not only that, people in the group were growing up, getting married, having kids. And so somehow it landed just to be Prosper and I in the front. Uh, we went from like, I don't know, 12 people choir look to I'm not playing drums anymore because now my nephew is a fantastic drummer he starts playing drums and then he starts encouraging me to sing and that passed forward to us getting a home studio and then just playing around with different sounds and real and as our audience was changing we made it more it became more urban it became more direct hip-hop which was an interesting change but it, it happened organically we didn't go looking for it or anything it just happened naturally yeah because it wasn't it wasn't really a discussion per se it was really organic right and and primarily i'm not a singer i don't have no vocals i'm a rapper period (laughs) right so therefore (laughs) hey there was no really talks to talk about that right so we had to uh see how we could implement that that gifting into that world and especially back then when it wasn't accepted I had, you know, we had the creativity ways to figure out how we could implement that, what they accept with what they might feel like, oh, it's kind of, is it taboo? Should I accept that or whatever, whatever. And, and at the end of the, at the end of the day, as long as the heart was pure, it was being felt. And, uh, and that's how we kept on moving with the, with the calling. Mm-hmm. There's a, a point in time when Christian hip hop, uh, I don't want to say corny, but Christian hip hop was not as good as it is now. I mean, you had mentioned cross movement was kind of that next step or tunnel rats or GOG was kind of the step into uh, where we are. Um, right. Were you listening to a lot of Christian hip hop or were you listening to more of the secular stuff? I was listening. I was more about the secular stuff. Definitely. <laughs> and, uh, and until now, until now, I'm a, like a hip hop library. If you know about hip hop, you want to have that conversation with me, we could talk for hours. Right. I'm, that's just that's just a, like I'm a. Yeah, I'm just passionate about that. And yes, indeed, the Christian hip hop back then was really not really too inspiring. And then eventually it started growing. It started growing and the creativity started getting there. Uh, Reach Records and then the Lecrae started coming in and then the the Truths and everything. So when that started coming in, you know, uh, it started being a little bit more interesting. What I love about this conversation is Johnny could talk all day about hip hop, but I'm like, Where, where's the Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith guys? Little point of grace. Me too. 
Absolutely. That was my wheelhouse back in the day. <laughs> all right, all right. So here you guys are really starting, I want to say, a movement in Ottawa. You know, you were kind of the early adapters to the unity, to not focusing so much on the denomination, but the heart. Um, once you guys started this path, did you notice a change in your community on a broader schedule? Absolutely. Okay, so... During that time, a couple of things that we're missing out is we did a lot of the events. So not only were we, um, you know, creating this music, but we were creating platforms and opportunities. We did block parties downtown. We did many concerts, um, large concerts, I would say. We brought in other artists. We were part of promotions for Blues Fest. So people often like to say that the it's a community. I like that you said that versus a movement. And that's exactly, especially in Ottawa, it's not as big. Um, not only that, now we have a home studio. Our first house, it was in the laundry room. It wasn't even that big, but we would start, you know, inviting other artists and producers. We have producers that we've been working with them since they were like 18 and now they're 30 plus and they're still loyal to us because we gave them that opportunity. Maybe they didn't have equipment. And so we'd Mm. say, Hey, we don't know how to use this, but you can use it and we'll build each other. So we've always been about creating like a hub, a go-to hub. And as we got older, that only evolved into where we are now. We still have that connection with whatever's happening in the city. I would say that there's a strong connection either with Prosper or myself, uh, with the local stations, all that stuff, and, and on both sides. And the beauty of it is like now Prosper with the SENS Foundation and being involved in that, that's even opened a whole other door. But it always it was always a foundation to create that togetherness um and that's just a passion of ours even when we didn't have it we didn't have the money we didn't have the resources we'd be like okay we got to figure this out because we were never big on waiting to be invited anywhere we knew that we can give an impact to some community by just creating a platform so we were always big on just creating that opportunity you say about having uh, no money or no resources going through your your musical careers your personal careers what do you think would be your biggest challenge? Nowadays, everything's easy. Um, you can record. Uh, you can record an album because equipment is not as costly. Um, people don't realize that back then studio cost was 80 to $90 an hour and you had to go to the studio. So there was a time actually we came to your hometown, very expensive, by the way. And we went to Toronto <laughs> and we, we thought, hey, you know, we're going to go to this studio, and this studio, big mistake. We ended up mm. with a big bill. And um, so being able to find creative ways and work really hard to build our own uh, resources, to have our own way of recording, um, it was challenging back then. Also, the buy-in from churches. You would get a lot of churches that were very not open to the untraditional ways where, you know, nowadays it's just, it's embraced, you know, even the way people change, um, dress, the culture is different. You can wear mm-hmm. ripped jeans. Hey, all right. Yeah. You know, but back then, <laughs> you're coming in a suit and tie or you're not singing today. Yeah. So those things we've seen the best of everything kind of changing and evolving and the obstacles. And I say that it's people like us and others that stood your ground and said, no, this is not right. Or helped to probably influence that for smaller communities like ours. I think we had, a, I would say we had a part to play in that. <laughs> yeah. And back then I remember how, when we took the decision to not go into the studios and pay all these and 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 do it ourselves until this day i still don't know how we were able to purchase what we purchased back back then mm. we, we you know the way we functioned until this day 
we were always like, okay, we're going to do this and we don't do that. And there was nothing in our bank account that was telling us that we could do it. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. some way, somehow, you know, we always managed to have a little something here and there to make it happen. Right. So right. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, while all this music stuff is going on in your lives and you're growing and you're building community, I know at home things might not have been as easy on the health side of things. Do you mind sharing a little bit about your health journey, Prosper? Oh, me first? Or yeah, first? <laughs> both, whatever, jump on in because I know it's been tough, uh, both yeah, of you, with it, your health moving forward. Yeah, because in our history, to be honest, our history, it got hit on both sides. And first it was Mel. So while we were dating, Mel got diagnosed with breast cancer. Right. Mm. And, uh, and, uh, I remember that was like our fourth year of your yeah, fourth year of dating, fourth I think. Year. Yeah. And, and, and things like that. And then that, when that hit us, that hit us out of nowhere. Right. And I remember that was in December and pretty much, you know, it, it you know, when I realized that that news affected me just as much, you know, it, I, it, like it was, I was diagnosed as well. That's when I realized that the soul connection is more than anything. Right. And then, so we got into the marriage, like we got married when Mel was full blown, go after chemo and all of that good stuff. Right. So our whole first two, three, four, five years was, you know, us dealing with that, you know, uh, hospital, Medicaid treatments, all of that. You know, and yeah. and it wasn't easy, right? And then after that, I got hit with lupus, autoimmune systems, in 2013. And then next thing is, you know, me being the one that was always the strong one, praying at the hospital, the supportive one, this and that and the third, right? It reversed. It reversed. Now I ended up in the ICU. I'm the one in the hospital. I'm the mm-hmm. you know. And it shocked me. It completely shocked me for me to be in that position because I never saw myself in that position. And, uh, um, yeah. And, and actually, it woke me up in a whole different way as well. And it made me realize what Melissa was going through as well mentally. The challenges mm-hmm. that you go through mentally is crazy. And we can never understand it until we live it, right? Just to add to that, you know, it's something that we we don't always... Prosper and I, we try to live for today, but when we actually go back and we think about things and we yeah. look at things with age, you get wiser and you start to see see things differently. And if I really think back to how hard it was back then um, to paint the picture a little bit more. So now we're newlyweds just coming out of, uh, you know, treatment and then going back into treatment again, because it didn't just stop there. Um, you're, you're in ministry. Um you have all these people who are around you that slowly get weary. And what I mean by that is you realize that friends change, right? Because mm. they may only see this is when social media is just coming out. So you're not going to post all the bad stuff all the time. You want to post like everything is good. Uh, marriage is good. So they may see GPM going here and GPM going there, but they don't know how many times um, we were struggling or going right right into chemo. They're just seeing that. So now there became jealousy and you start to realize that, people are not really there for you. And so there was, for me, there was like a lonely period of my whole entire circle. The people that I grew up with, 
a lot of them weren't loyal. A lot of them said a lot of the evil things that till this day, they wouldn't know that I knew that. And I've never said anything, but it built character because I look at where I am now and being hit with obstacles, it made me stronger. It made me wiser. It made me um, have a stronger composure to not want to respond. And I think about it, it's because of those times, because in those lonely periods, you're just like, man, people are, are not there for you. How come, you know, when it was announced to pray, everyone's praying, but I'm not, I'm not through this yet. Where did everyone go? And then they see what they say, see, they go with that. And then, as I said, full turn, here comes Prosper's journey. And I remember when he got diagnosed, I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) What? Okay. This is, this is weird. But then at the same time, I felt prepared to be who he was to me. And so roles reverse because now he's going through different depressions. And, and it's interesting because even as we speak right now, um, and if we want us to be really transparent, today's a good day. But mm-hmm. Saturday wasn't a good day. Prosper had a flare. And when he has a flare, he's in bed all day. And so somebody might see a post Sunday morning and, oh, you guys seem to be doing so well. Oh, my goodness. Mm. You don't know that Saturday there were tears and there were there were moments of heavy pain where you're trying to figure, do you need to go to the hospital or sometimes you have to. And so that roller coaster has made us have a different perspective. We forgive fast. We move on fast. We try to just love as much as we can, because life is not promised to anybody. And I Mm. always believe that people live by the moment, what they see on television Okay, yeah, so my goodness, that's such a sad, sad shooting, and it affects them for five minutes. But afterwards, the next day, they still wake up and they're still mean and they're still, you know, struggling. But we've had so many episodes that we're just like, oh, you're still mad about that? No, I'm not. I'm not there. <laughs> I'm not there. Like, I'm really trying to live my best life, right? We, we're really trying to live our best life. We keep busy with passion stuff, not. Don't ask me to waste my time on something I don't want to do. I'll tell you, I don't want to do it. But if you Absolutely. tell me to give my time to something that I'm passionate about, we we, we always say team no sleep, right? <laughs> um, and that's just because we have a different perspective of based on the stuff that we've been through. Do you think you guys being in music allows you to utilize that as therapy and as a, as an outlet where there are some who feel like they're struggling and they don't have that outlet? You guys at least have a way to express what you're going through? Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember uh, the time, there was a period of time where Melissa was in her prime with her health issues and that was at the time that we recorded our album called uh, Takeover. It was the Takeover album. And I remember going to bed and waking up at three in the morning just to go to the bathroom and hearing the beats loud and clear in the basement. Melissa being in the studio all day, all night, just writing and stuff. And most of the songs from that album came out of her personal mm. testimonies, her therapy and that was her way to cope with a lot of things. And but and myself was for the Live, Love and Prosper album journey. I remember it was my turn now being in the basement <laughs> and just uh, using the studio as my therapy, me going through some mental challenges and stuff like that. And an album came out of that as well. Right. And absolutely. To answer your question. Yeah, I would say for both of us has been like a, a, a crutch right so 
Yeah, I, I would say to add to that, I think anything creative gives a different kind of um, therapeutic healing. Mm-hmm. We live in a creative world. And so, you know, you may not be able to sing or write, but there's something else that you can do that is creative that just brings a sense of relief. And so our entire house is a creative house. Like, I kid you not, it's a creative house. Um, we have computers in every room. We have an entire music studio downstairs. When people come in, they're just like, I feel so inspired. But that's how we try to live our life. Like, everywhere you go, you can be creative. There's boards everywhere and stuff like that for ideas. And it allows us to just have that outlet in many areas. I don't sing as much as I, I used to, but I definitely write. I definitely help coach other people. So I'm in a different element. Prosper's still rapping, still, he's still, he's still ready to perform anywhere. Kirk Franklin, you can call him. But, <laughs> um, but we love that. And I think everybody needs that at some point, something that is creative to just help them through whatever it is they're going through. This is the Wyoming Project podcast. I want to jump in and just taking a look at and listen to where you guys have been, what you've experienced. I mean, I could just mark a whole bunch of places, just listen to your story where I'd be like, why me, God, why me? Um, but let's start with you, Melissa. Is there a standout why me moment that you have? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The standout why me moment is perhaps... The biggest one, why haven't we had children? Um, and I actually can say that so boldly now, but five years ago, couldn't. There was a t- period where I was emotional all the time. Um, you know, we were in transitions of, of, you know, you go through that transition of changing churches because of church politics. And, and during that time, what people don't realize is that Prosper were, and I were going through our own personal stuff. And sometimes the church requirements doesn't allow you to even heal because <laughs> they just require so much from you so here we are going through this transition trying to find a new home church and all people want us to do is get up and serve and do this and i'm depressed i'm sad i'm trying to cope with how to just handle accepting whatever god wants and i mean that purely um but that was hard because now during the journey you see a lot of people having children a lot of people not inviting you to their events because they feel sorry for you and they automatically show that so we're we're a crew of many especially on prosper side many um people that uh, he grew up with from a childhood that he's really close with and you start to see that oh you're we're not invited to that oh and you you look online and now it's a social media era of everybody posting all the time I have to say I'm in a better place now because I had to gain thick skin for that. And Prosper has helped me so much with that because one, he never um, made me feel bad. He never made me feel, he always said, listen, I don't care about anybody else's journey. I care about us. I care about us being together more than anything. And if God blesses us, he blesses us. And if he doesn't, he still blessed us. And at the time I didn't want to hear that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But over time, you, you, you get more mature and you start to realize, you know, what he's right. And so that was, I think that was the biggest one with everything else. Why did this happen? Why all these years of this? Why on earth is he having lupus? Are you kidding me? And then now why this? And now I, I try not to ask why. I try to just, there's ups and downs, but I try to just be positive. <laughs> wow. Um uh, yes and no. I think the why me moment was definitely the lupus situation. Now, when me, I got to say, 
that I never accepted it for about two years that I had that condition. So it was one of those that, you know, you told me that that was the situation mentally. Um, I never accepted it. I, I was like, no, you know, that's not it. Right. I, I was coping with, I wasn't, you know, until things got worse and worse and worse. Right. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> right. And I would say, I would say, yeah, definitely. There was a why me moment when I caught a, um, an allergic reaction to a medication that wasn't mixing well to another medication. You got to understand that I was going through a period that I was taking about 30 pills per day, right? Like, like a cocktail buffet of pills, you know what I mean? Per day. And man, Mm -hmm. let me tell you. And then, and then one time they gave me something that didn't work well. And till this day, I'm still affected by it, but I had like a huge skin reaction. Um, um, called the Johnson disease or something. I forgot what they were calling, but it, all of a sudden, my I started having rashes everywhere, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know what was going on and then ended up in their ER and, and stuff like that. That was a moment where I was like, why let me? me? Add, let me add to that. He, <laughs> he miles it because it wasn't rashes. It was actually eating his skin. So it's called yeah. Stephen Johnson disease. And yeah, here we go. his skin was being <laughs> eaten off. And it started with just his legs. And we were like, this is weird. We went to the hospital. The hospital ended up sending us back home. By the time we got back home, he was bleeding everywhere. Mm-hmm. We went back to the hospital and then he got, um, they were scared. This is the first time that I could say that the health officials were scared. They didn't know what was happening. Everyone in the community was scared. I was on social media asking people to pray. I didn't, I thought it was it. I, I'm like everything till this day. He still has scars right up until here. And it started to eat him away right up until about here. And if it had gotten to his eyes, it could have killed him. And um, that was all because of a mistake the hospital made. But that was the scariest moment that we had. And I remember Prosper saying to me, oh, when he started to get better, I'm talking about two weeks later in the hospital. And he was like, when I get out of the hospital, I'm going to run down the aisles of a grocery store. I was like, wow. And he's like, <laughs> I was like, okay, why? And he's like, because... People don't realize how much of a privilege it is to go mm. to the grocery store. Wow. Yo. And, Yo. I, and we, we got out the hospital and we were like, hey, hey woohoo, running up and down the grocery store buying Yo. a whole bunch of stuff. Because- it was crazy because I couldn't even walk. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't walk, right? And I couldn't understand that. That Lexus, you know, I'm in the hospital just hanging, you know, trying to walk. Just, just that alone, right? Just being it's able crazy. to, uh, and, and I remember when we got out, we went to, I think it was a, a grocery, yeah, it was a grocery store, Metro. but just that getting out the car in the parking lot, being able to walk normally to the grocery, uh, what? Let me tell you. It was, it was, it was, it was a moment and people would never understand that, and, but it's the simple things that you realize, oh my gosh, this is such a big thing right now. Yeah, that, that was a big moment. <laughs> From relationships through musical journeys, through health, uh, and then your why me moments, I think we'd be remiss to not ask uh, artists this question because you guys are always working on something, always grinding, always producing, always making. What is next? <laughs> <Ooh>. That's big. <laughs> what is next? Well, what I can say is what's next is really big for us. Um, 
we've been blessed to build a lot of great partnerships. And for us, everything is about never look at anything being impossible. You see people that uh, live great lives. It's, they have a journey. They have a story. And so sometimes people will say, oh, my gosh, you have all this, you have all that. And we're like, but with a lot of sacrifices mm -hmm. and with a lot of heartache. Uh, what's next for us is that we're venturing into more business opportunities. We've partnered with some great people. We are building a um, a community outreach division in partnership with a, a nonprofit and in partnership with a for-profit, and it is massive. Actually, let's just say without saying much, as we speak, <laughs> I just came home from the ho the holes being dug in the ground for a new building. That's how big. And 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 we look at these things, and you know, you see stories of I don't know. I think of first person I can think of is Kanye West. I don't know why I'm going there, but <laughs> you know, people who just build who are just crazy dreamers they have a crazy testimony and for us what's next is it sky's the limit and whatever is next there's always going to be another chapter of what's next we're never going to stop until god says it's time but see, until then we will never stop see i let the wife speak so that i can know if i need to if i could say <laughs> things or not because <laughs> you see i'm the one that'd be like da, 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 and then i would get it after you know what i'm saying so now I see that she ain't really saying, saying too, too much. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's what it is. Okay, we can't really tell, but. <laughs> no, we will be happy to share more. But sometimes you got to just say things in the right time. At sure. the end of the day, we're still building. We're still working. We work with a lot of community artists. Um, obviously, what's next? I, you could talk about arena anthems. Yeah, so what, what we can say is the fact that music-wise, you know, with the um, the opportunity that I got to be able to uh, have the platform to be the Ottawa Sands official show DJ a little bit that happened a little bit prior, uh, pre pandemic and then and then uh, the pandemic hit and everything but now things are back to normal and uh, um, yeah so I'm creating an album uh, an EP I would say a project that is called uh, Arena Anthem and and uh, pretty much in uh, collaboration with the Sands Foundation as well um, in order to bring a lot of different artists together in the community, whether it's local or national, in order to bring them here. We had a camp in July where I had a lot of different producers in and a lot of writers, a lot of artists, and we were just like, you know what? Let's just create this house as being a creative hub for the whole weekend and it's just be creative, creative. And we just came out with a lot of music so maybe there's going to be a volume one, volume two, volume three out of it. But I'm really excited about it. There's some strong songs with the strong collaborations. Collaboration with people is going to be surprised as well. And uh, yeah, that's what, that's what's coming up on that end. And uh, yeah, a lot more as well. But like the wife said, you know, <laughs> in due time. <laughs> that's yeah, fair. right, that's right. Fair. Well, oh, goodness. Uh, Melissa, Prosper, we appreciate you guys taking some time, sharing your heart, and we look forward to seeing whatever that is yes. in the future. Yeah. When you're allowed to tell us, come back and tell us the big news, and uh, and uh, we'll be excited to to celebrate alongside. And uh, Prosper, I know deep deep down you feel like you're cheating on the Canadians, but uh... <laughs> well, put it this way, right? You know, if you're an athlete. Hey, you get traded to another team. You got to be traded to that other team, there right? Go. There you hey. go. 
<laughs> Ottawa since signed me, you know? So, hey. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, thank you guys, too. Thank you. Yeah.